Football across Austria and, of course, worldwide has been affected by the coronavirus. So whilst we're waiting for football to reappear whenever it does, let's look back on the last action which did happen in the Austrian Bundesliga on match day 22 and look ahead to what might happen for the rest of the Austrian Bundesliga season. Wow, coronavirus has had its impact on Austrian sport and especially for us here on the other Bundesliga. Plenty to discuss with me here today. It's Lee Wingate and Simon Clark. My name's Tom Midler and we'll round up what happened in the 22nd match day of the Austrian Bundesliga and what the outlook is for the rest of the season uh, given the coronavirus situation here in Austria. I mean, let's start with the big news. What has happened regarding coronavirus? There's going to be a lot of interest from fans, from everyone looking to the Austrian league, as there is in a lot of the other leagues around Europe. Obviously, a lot of measures in place. But what's happened beyond the fact that Chancellor Kurz has had this announcement that says indoor events are restricted to 100 people and outdoor events are restricted to 500 people maximum uh, up until the end of this month? Is there anything else that we need to know? The Austrian Bundesliga have taken the... the the opportunity uh, this afternoon to say that the next two game weeks will be postponed and it leaves the the future of the season somewhat in, in jeopardy really because if if the next two weeks are postponed will the following weeks be postponed if nothing improves and this is on top of schools and universities being closed from for, for Monday onwards and there's just so much to, to to take in here with like what how well normal lives uh, go on. But, uh, football is obviously important to us, but it's not the most important thing. The health of society is the most important thing. But it's just crazy. And you, you look at the um, uh, the Austrian internationals coming up against Wales and Turkey. The, the OFB have said that they will have, have a meeting tomorrow in regards to those two games. Probably they'll be played behind closed doors. Um, it's just going to cause chaos with the league. And what do you make of the decision to postpone the first couple of weeks of the uh, of this sort of championship round and the end of the season rather than to play those games behind closed doors? In some ways, it is surprising. In some ways, it's not. I think they probably could have got away with doing it behind closed doors, but I think the message they wanted to send today was that they don't want to be without the fan experience because that's what makes football and it's also what gives clubs a lot of the much needed revenue that they that they do make here in Austria. Um, so perhaps a sensible decision but one that's hard to stomach for um, clubs and fans all around. Yeah and I think the revenue point is a key point here in Austria but that money I would argue is a lot more important for the clubs in Austria and I think that might have been somewhere in the reasoning to postpone the games as a first measure rather than just to play them immediately behind closed doors. But if they are postponing them, you know, of course, none of us here are experts and nobody knows how the situation is going to develop. But if this is the situation as it stands in Austria until the end of the month and the next two game weeks are postponed, can you really see by the end of March 2020 that these regulations are going to be lifted and there's going to be any more likelihood of actually getting back to the stadiums. I mean, the Bundesliga have bought themselves some time here, which to me seems like a smart call. Like, why not? If, if, a situation, if the situation does improve in the next few weeks, then, then the Bundesliga teams can continue to play their games and make that revenue. The fans don't miss out on any games in the long run. But if it doesn't, then, you know, where do we go from there? It's also sensible when you look at, at the outlook of 
whereas in leagues like Italy and England and, and, and Spain, you have teams playing in Europe until very, very deep in, into the competitions. In Austria, I mean, Lask will be playing Man United, and I mean, they're probably not going to go through. So this means that there will be opportunities to play these, these following, um, these postponed two game weeks on a Tuesday or a Wednesdays heading into the end of the season. So the, the, all the matches can still be played, but it's just, it's what if, like, what if they can't play when, when the international break is over, what will happen then? I think one interesting solution was proposed by one of our Twitter followers, Paul Hogan, who suggested perhaps playing one round of fixtures instead of two in the championship and relegation groups. Obviously, then it's skewed because you don't have each club playing each other club home and away. But I think in, in a situation like this, you would have to find some kind of compromise to, to get to the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, everything that we're talking about here in the realm of sport is, is relatively... Well, it's pretty much unprecedented, isn't it? You know, we're try- trying about talking about trying to find solutions to problems that we've never really had so widely in European sports. And I think what was interesting today is that the Austrian Ice Hockey League confirmed that it's basically just dissolving the season. The season's done. There will be no champion. They can't really see a solution in the short term. Um, and so they've just got rid of it. Is that a possibility for Austria? And given the fact that Austria has a very unusual league structure, we've just finished it. We've got to the end of match day 22. That is the end of the, the Grunddurchgang, so the, the regular season, essentially. We're going into the separate part of the season now. Is there a possibility, if the situation doesn't get better, rather than starting to finish off the, the end of the season, the last 10 rounds of the season behind closed doors, is there a possibility that the Austrian Bundesliga could opt to just call the league quits after match day 22 and we all know what that means that would mean Red Bull Salzburg are not the champions anymore it's certainly an interesting uh, thought it would be worst case scenario type of thing like you, you want <laughs> you, you want to have a champion who's won it via the actual league system but obviously Austria has this like weird, weird system which isn't uh, common in Europe so every team has played each other twice why not? But obviously, I think this would be a worst-case scenario, and I, I really want the championship round and the relegation round to be played because every game, uh, every game will, will mean something, and we have the prospect of a maybe a three-team title race as well, and a four, five, six-team relegation battle. So, I mean, as the football purist in me, I, I would want the league to continue, but it's a four, isn't it? I think we've also heard a lot from the authorities today. It would be quite interesting to see what some of the players say and if they actually want to play because some players in other countries, um, to give an example, Mario Balotelli has said we shouldn't be playing under these circumstances. Obviously, the number of cases um, in Austria compared to certain other countries is quite low. And if the players were prepared to play, then there would be no reason why the season couldn't be finished um, behind closed doors as a last resort. But we'll have to see, I suppose. Uh, we actually have a special guest with us here today, the world's most famous Blau-Weiss Linz fan. Some of our <laughs> listeners will know him already. It's Richard Turkovic. So um, you, you had an idea like for, for a bit of a precedent going back, didn't you, that, that could potentially uh, have an impact on how the Bundesliga make their decisions for the rest of this season. I'm not saying it's really applicable, but that is a thing that has happened in the past in the season of 1972-73 where um, the last couple of games, um, and again, this is just the last couple of games, so it's not comparable to like an entire part of the championship just not being able to be played. But as an extreme measure, that might be because the last couple of games um, had to be delayed because of hand, foot, and mouth disease. And um, SK Sturm Graz actually appealed to the ÖFB courts back then to um, suspend their relegation because of 
well, because of there not being games that have been played, like of interference in the relegation campaign. And yeah, well, the, the Bundesliga did suspend their relegation and yeah, basically made the team, the, the next year's league, a 17 team league, which I highly doubt is going to happen this time. But the 17 team league wasn't all bad. It was the season of 1973 74, where SK First Linz won the um, only title left by a team in Linz, right? <laughs> So it ended on a positive note for you. Yeah, I wonder whether whether that will be a big thing. It's, it's really hard to know which way they're going to go. So as unlikely as that seems, who knows? We're in uncharted waters here, and, and who knows how they're going to sort that out. In any case, it's set to be an extraordinary season down the home stretch, just as things were getting interesting. As you mentioned, there big relegation battles, lots of interest at the top as well. Now we're all on tenterhooks, waiting to see what decision it is. As I mentioned, the Bundesliga have bought themselves some time. Hopefully the clubs won't be too negatively impacted by this. But before we conclude this one, instead of all the doom and gloom about the football, which isn't taking place in Austria, what about match day 22 and the stuff which did take place? Because there were some unexpected results, plenty of goals, a few surprises in there. It was a pretty good game week to finish off the regular season, wasn't it? Certainly was. Me and Simon took a lovely trip down to Mattersburg on Sunday to see Lask play their final low away game, their final match uh, in general before the, the Manchester United match on Thursday. Um, Simon was absolutely loving it. It was his first visit to the, the, the Pappelstadion or the Ernst Pappel as we like to call it. And I think he was wa- you were walking towards the stadium, weren't you, and just saying, Lee, I love football, just, re- just repeatedly. It's one of the greatest stadiums I've ever been to, but it's not because it's a, a, a beautiful stadium by any means. It's just unique. It has a, like a, a train aqueduct behind the main stand. So just imagine the main stand that has an aqueduct, and then every hour, a train goes by. and it's Yeah, uh, at two minutes past four, he just said, Lee, I can't wait for the two-pass train to go again <laughs> so we could get a photo. It got quite a lot of interaction on Twitter, didn't it? So it was worthwhile to wait for that train. I think we should explain that it's probably a former aqueduct, which is now a train, yes, exactly. tra- you know, train track. Because a, a train aqueduct would be—it was quite a strange thing to have. But I do agree; it's definitely one of my favourite stadiums in Austria as well. So I was just so excited about this uh, the stadium, uh, and then there was a, a grass, a grassy uh, knoll behind the behind the uh, behind the goal, which is just phenomenal. Every ground should have a grassy knoll. Okay, the producers informing us that it was actually never an aqueduct in the first place. It is just a train bridge. <laughs> so that clears that one up. The Papelstadion has. Just a train bridge, but it's awesome. We love it nonetheless. It's amazing. And uh, if you ever go to that stadium, make sure to sit in the opposite stand from the main stand. But um, also, it's just a unique stadium. It's just, uh, it just has a certain quality about it. It's, it's quite English in a way. Maybe it's like a League One, League Two conference-type ground, but um, the press area is in like a, in like a house. <laughs> and, it's, and it's just a really unique stadium. And I had a really wonderful time there. I don't recall sitting on any knolls, though, in League One or League Two. But anyway, what about the game? You had a wonderful time. What about the game? It was Mattersburg nil, Lask won. It wasn't a wonderful game. <laughs> it was a, a pretty attritional game. Lask uh, had basically all the chances. They went wandler in the 20th minute via Klaus um, after a cutback from Samuel Tete. Klaus just hooked it into the bottom corner. Yeah, from there, it was pretty comfortable. There was a free kick for Mattersburg in like, the very last seconds, which had the whole stadium on the edge of their seats, but it hit the wall, and yeah, they didn't really trouble Lask whatsoever. It was a pretty bad game, uh, but when Lask have the prospects of Manchester United coming up, I guess their thoughts were, were 
looking towards that. Although there was one major point which I should mention is that one of their stars of the season, Thomas Goiginger, suffered a terrible cruciate injury, cruciate ligament injury in his knee. And uh, when he was taken through the tunnel, uh, the two of us were looking right over him and he was in pure agony. His face had a grimace and I feel so bad for him because he is one of my favorite players in the league and I think he's one of your favorite players in the league as well. And this is a guy who just had his first appearance for the Austrian national team. He had an outside chance of a Euro spot playing Man United, title person now that the season's over and yeah, it's a real shame. Although I guess it remains to be seen under the current circumstances what will be back first, Thomas Goiginger or football, who knows. Um, but as it stands, yeah, he is out for the season. I think Lask were really lacking a lot of their usual um, fluidity due to some rotations, which they don't usually make, but obviously had made in this case with the Man United game in mind. Frieza and Holland started on the bench, for example. And there was a very makeshift central midfield with uh, Wiesinger and Haldum in there. So I think that goes some way to explaining perhaps why we didn't see Lask at their, at their fluid best. But nonetheless, they did get their 11th away win in 11 away games uh, in the league this season. And I was doing a little bit of research today. They are the only club in Europe's top 12 leagues to have done that, to have won every single away game or even to have gone unbeaten in all their away games. Um, and that's not bad considering that there are 208 clubs in the top 12 European leagues. So I think that's, that's a very, very impressive feat. And if you look at the away table as well, they are nine points clear of their closest rivals, Rapid, um, in that. So very impressive from them. Tete missed a couple of good chances in that one. Klaus missed the penalty as well later on in the game. So there were plenty of chances for Lask to make their day a bit more comfortable. But um, if we're talking about rotation, you know, Lask have been really unfortunate in the last seven days. They've lost Marvin Potsman to a cruciate ligament injury. He's out for the season. They've lost Thomas Goiginger now to the same thing. There's been loads of knee injuries in the league lately and that's, that's annoyed me because you know, on a personal level for those players, you just really feel for them when you just come down with a, with a knee injury or, or some kind of injury which doesn't really involve anyone else. It's just, just bad luck. Um, but I guess the one thing I would say on the Goiginger injury is that as good as Thomas Goiginger is, I don't think he's had the same impact this season as he did last season, personally. I don't think there's quite as big a blow to last as it could have been uh, in another in another season of course it is still a big blow but when you add that up to the Potsman injury suddenly their squad is starting to look a bit thinner um, and then people like Tete you know missing chance after chance in that game he did score a great goal last week which we never really talked about because we didn't have the pods last week but um, how, how good are Lask looking if they do have to rotate I think it is a danger with teams like Lask and, and Wolfsburg who, who have both played European football this season and you really do tend to notice when they don't have their first 11 out there. And obviously it's the nature of football. You do pick up injuries and suspensions throughout a season and that does mean that you have to make changes. And I think this will really be a test of their mettle, uh, especially on Thursday under the most testing of circumstances. So it will be interesting to see how they cope. Yeah, and moving on to Salzburg, their nearest challengers, of course. They've had to rotate uh, after the high-profile departures in the winter. Of course, we've talked about that a lot. How was Salzburg looking? You know, they managed to stay on the heels of Lask to some extent with a 2-0 victory against Sturm Graz. Yeah, they did. It was their, their first win in the league of 2020 as well. They finally broke their duck. They've obviously won twice in the cup, but they've been waiting quite some time for a win in the league. And they did have uh, very much the 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 most of the Spielanteile, as they say in German, much more of the share of the game, um, so to speak. 
And uh, they didn't manage to break Sturm down in the first half, but just eight seconds into the second half, it was it was really sloppy, uh, a lack of attention from from Sturm. Okagawa, or Name I Love, as he's known on Twitter, got a goal. And then Daka with his 17th of the season rounded off a, a relatively comfortable afternoon for them. And I think it was very important to stay on Lask's, uh, on Lask's tail. Yeah, I thought Thorsten Röcher should have put Sturm Graz up when it was nil-nil. And I would have been really interested to see how... Salzburg responded to going 1-0 down in that game um, because, yeah, they, de- they definitely could have found themselves behind and their confidence is rocked a little bit at the moment. But in the end, you've got to reflect back on what's been a good week for Salzburg. You know, they've, they've dug themselves out of this crisis and something that got skipped as well in the last week of us not having a pod is the fact that they did beat Lask in that cup semi-final, which in many people's eyes was essentially the cup final. So uh, they beat Lask 1-0 in a tight game in Salzburg um, just before this match week. Uh, where does this leave Salzburg now after, after a decent week? Yeah, it's a decent week. We have two clean sheets. Um, uh, and Pat Sandaka looking good as well. 17 goals in 21 games is a very, very decent record. I think they've turned the corner somewhat, but it's probably too early to say. I mean, it's going to be a while to be seen them play again. The, the clean sheets will, will, will very much please Jesse Marsh. I think with Salzburg's qualities, these wins... Uh, uh, I wouldn't say expected, but you know it's not surprising that they've somehow managed to shut up shop and yeah keep these clean sheets. But I think going forward, if the season is played, um, Salzburg will be in a much stronger position than they have been in 2020 so far. Patson Dacker, his 17th goal that came up there. What about moving on to uh, Wolfsburg against Rapid? Sean Weissman. 22 goals after 22 games. What a record that is for the Israeli striker. Um, that was a cracker of a game in the end. A bit of a strange one. Loads of stuff happening in injury time as well. Wolfsburg 2, Rapid 2. It ended uh, in the battle between 3rd and 4th in the Bundesliga. Yeah, Rapid seems to be making a name for themselves when it comes to last-minute equalisers because they've done it a few times. I think they did that against Hartberg not so long ago as well. And that's helped them extend their unbeaten run in the league to nine games now, which is relatively impressive, I would say, considering the, the inconsistencies that have plagued them earlier on in, in Kubauer's tenure. Um, but they did have to, to work for it, and it was yeah Max Hoffman right at the end who, who pretty much rescued them a point, which means that they stay ahead of Wolfsburg going into the championship round. Yeah, an important one there for them to uh, stay in third. Um, Michael Lindl as well, though. Two assists for Lindl, some goals for Sean Weissman. That's uh, Lindl up to 15 assists for the season, which is massively impressive as well. Um, the sour notes for Wolfsburg were... A couple of injuries, like Gibb was taken ill. Vieira, the, the new signing in winter, uh, got, a, got an injury at the end um, in the defence. And uh, Kutin played in goal for that game as well, So instead of Koffler. So I don't know what happened to Alex Koffler in the week building up to that game, but uh, sort of a surprise addition to, to uh, Wolfsburg in goal for that one. For Rapid, another goal for Funtas. He went off injured as well, so it was a bit of a bruising encounter in the end, finishing 2-2. Yeah, Rapid, of course, with that late goal, they are establishing a bit of a reputation for late goals there. And uh, Admira, under new coach Zvonimir Soldo, they're also establishing a reputation for late goals. They got one last week and they got two this week in a victory, a somewhat surprising victory, against Altach, who were the form team in the league going into that game. Admira desperate to get a win under their belt and they were helped on their way by a Cobras error in just the ninth minute. He was sent off, the goalkeeper for Altach, that is, after a bit of a blackout, just kicking the ball straight against an opponent. I think it was Hoffer and the ball bounced over his head 
outside the box. He decided to reach his hand up just on, uh, on reflex and was sent off swiftly and uh, rather embarrassingly after nine minutes. Azegovic came on to replace him in goal and then almost did the same thing not too long later. Uh, he was in the box, though, and was able to rescue his own error. But strange to see two goalkeepers take too much time on the ball and then pass it against their opponents quite so, uh, so bizarrely as that. But um, in the end, the game looked like it was heading for a 0-0 stalemate until the 89th minute when the uh, former Sturm duo of Lackner and Pink both managed to get on the score sheet. It was 89th minute and a goal in injury time as well to give Admira a much-needed 2-0 win in front of their home fans. Man of the match for me, definitely Leitner, the goalkeeper. He made some absolutely fantastic saves against an attack side who are looking quite dangerous going forward at the moment. Sydney Sam, Christian Gebauer, players like that having some very good efforts on goal. Leitner made a couple of absolute worldies in that game. So uh, he's really helped his team out there. He left them in it. He kept them in the game. And uh, they managed to get a bit of fortune at the end and get the three points that have lifted them rather up the table. Um, elsewhere, where should we go? Let's move to Hartberg up into the top six. They were defeated 3-0 in a bit of a shocker at home against VSG Tyrol. And is it just me? Or it feels like Hartberg have been in free fall for quite a while now. They will be very, very happy to be a t a, you know, above that top six line because I think they could be relegation candidates. They got beaten 5-0 a few weeks back. It was against Austria-Vienna in the game that kind of could have sealed their place in the top six. Since then, I feel like they've only earned their place in the top six because the sides below Austria-Vienna, to, to name names, have just simply not been winning games because Hartberg are looking pretty dire at the moment. They're leaking goals. I do agree with that to a certain extent, but I'd also point out that the goals didn't come all until the last 20 minutes and there was a shout for a Hartberg penalty as well. So perhaps it was just one of those days for them. Hartberg have St. Poulton syndrome from last season, it seems. They've qualified for the top six above one of the big Vienna clubs. And now, I mean, I'd be surprised if they win again this season. Last season, St. Poulton were just completely atrocious in the top six. Hartberg, obviously, I, I would like them to be competitive. But I don't know, they, they seem to have fallen off a cliff, haven't they, in recent weeks? Uh, this, this is not a good result. Uh, Tyrol, we've seen Tyrol play this season and they were, <laughs> they were not great. <laughs> so for them to lose 3-0 here, yeah, I mean, you might have the, the case here that Hartberg were t t too good to be in the bottom half, but they're too weak for the top half. So we might have that like, weird thing that happens in, in this division. But well, what do you think? I'm not sure they're too good for the bottom half anymore. I've got to be honest. I'm glad they're in the top six. And I think they don't really care because, you, you know, bear in mind, their goal for the season has been met. They're staying up and, and you can't change that now. But what about VSK Tirol? Should we give them some credit? You said they were a bit naff when you saw them a few weeks ago against Rapid Vienna, to put it lightly. But, you know, Meyerhofer got on the score sheet this time, Koch as well. So these are players that they've just brought in. Can we credit Silberberger and his side for actually, you know, making an impact and, and trying to change things around? Because they've got seven seven points in 2020, which is massive when you consider how much they were they were languishing. I think they lost eight in a row at one point down the stretch last season or last year. Um, so so they've turned things around pretty quickly as well. Yeah, there's definitely something that's improved there. Maybe it was the real threat of relegation because they were quite adrift at, uh, at one point but now they're in in the mix with four teams separated by one point if I'm correct in the uh, relegation round table they could definitely stay up in the division but you know I don't know when we saw them they were not great so this, that just sticks in your mind doesn't it Bearing in mind as well that we Brits are some of the most indirect people in the world. So when we say not great, what we really mean is <laughs> <laughs> absolutely awful that day. 
Um, but perhaps this was a classic case of, you know, the team that needed it the most. You often hear pundits talk about, oh, they needed it more. And if you think about Hartberg having their place already cemented in the top six and, and VSK Tirol, you know, really needing to play for points now, perhaps that played a role. Yeah, just the point with Hartberg, they, as they qualify for the top six, and if they lose every single game of the season, they will still have recorded their record ever league finish. So kudos to Hartberg for even getting in the top six. I think that is one of the main arguments against having a league season that splits. However, <laughs> the, the motivational factor for the team in sixth place is absolutely dire. But then, you know, if they can pinch a place ahead of maybe Sturm Graz or something, you know, they, they have been very good at times this season. They play this quite conservative style. They hold back. They break on the counter. They've been really, really good at absorbing pressure and doing that. And they've sort of forgotten how to do that a little bit of late. But there were signs last, week, last weekend against Lask. For the first 45 minutes, they were really causing Lask a lot of trouble. Um, so I think maybe things can turn around there for Hartberg. However, um, yeah, we, we will have to wait a while until we see. Anyway, moving on to the last game, last but not least, well, it probably was last and least, actually. It was Austria-Vienna against St. Pölten. And Austria-Vienna breaking records all over the place this season. Absolutely fantastic. Six draws in a row, the longest ever record in the Bundesliga. That is... That's quite something, isn't it? They simply cannot win against anybody, can they? Because if you're going to win against anybody right now, St. Pölten is the team to win against. They couldn't do it. Nil-nil. Yeah, this might be one of the worst games of the season. There's only, there's only four shots on goal. These are two teams who... Uh, you, you have to say maybe the motivation isn't there because it was the final day of the regular season and it doesn't really matter as much. One of those four shots, Simon, though, was a Quang Riong pack overhead kick that flew just wide. That was, you know, that's worth something. That's got to boost it up in the rankings for worst game of the season. You know, that maybe takes it off the bottom, doesn't it? Uh, if that had gone in, I mean, yeah, it would have been one of the games of the season. But <laughs> no, as, as you know, we are massive fans of the St. Paulson striker. <laughs> yeah, this, I think that this is just a dreadful end of the regular season for two clubs who've been very disappointing. I think that talking of pack, he was almost... Uh, Chabi Alonso to Patrick Pence's um, Nigel de Jong during that game because World Cup, World Cup final 2010 reference there from Lee yeah, sorry about that um, but yeah that was a really quite an atrociously high foot that studs up straight in on, on Pac's um, midriff and I was quite surprised to see him only given a yellow card for that you have the feeling that if VAR had been in force that they may have reviewed that and, and changed the decision I love that George Davis came along to even the scores later in the game, though, with an absolutely, like, a co complete takeout of uh, Manpreet Sakaria on the wing. It was like high leg, like swings a foot at it, nowhere near the ball, just completely stops his run down the wing. And it's like he also got a yellow card. So the, the scores were truly even at the end of that. It was quite an aggressive game generally, I thought. Just a final thing about this game. It's funny to think that a year ago, the two, uh, both Austria-Vienna and St. Paulton were in the top six. And now, a year later, there was only 6,800 at the General Arena for this game, which is like absolutely atrocious attendance for Austria-Vienna. It has not been a good season, but I mean, they will be the favourites to qualify for the Europa League playoffs. You know, that's uh, at least something to aim for for the club. But yeah, this is a club that needs to be in the top six, really. It's a massive club. Yeah, you're talking about them getting the Europa League playoff. You know, Christian Ilzer, Christian Ilzer, the coach, has sort of admitted today that they're actually in a relegation fight. And especially now the points have been halved. They're not far away down at the bottom. You've got Austria-Vienna on 12, Altach also on 12, and then Admira, Tyrol, Mattersburg on 9, and St. Pölten 
languishing bottom of the table on eight points. So everybody's really close together in the mix there in the bottom six. It's not a given that Austria Vienna are going to get that spot in the Europa League playoff places. I mean, of course, they will be the favourites for it, but they're really going to have to turn it around. They, they haven't lost for months, but they haven't won for months either. And yeah, you mentioned that, you know, just sort of six and a half thousand-ish fans there. That's, that's really bad times for Austria Vienna. And there's sort of still speculation about them getting the licence again for next season and things that the financial troubles really are that bad at the moment in Austria, at Austria Vienna. They're really, really struggling and, and many things are not right in that club. And, you know, they just seem to have sorted out the problems with their ultras and kind of got the fans on side to say, look, at least we're going to support you. We're going to try and turn things around a little bit. And they're not exactly rewarding them with, with performances like that, a nil-nil against St. Pilton. Um, anyway, just moving on from that, I'm not having it that that is the worst game of the season, by the way. When you take that into account that there was a Quang Ryong Pak overhead kick and a Kung Fu kick on Quang Ryong Pak from Patrick Pence, the goalkeeper, who, just to add you know, narrative to that tale, the fans don't want Patrick Pence to play. They want Lucic to play because he's like one of their own which is never a good sign when the fans are like trying to pick the team sheet. But Pence, who was good last season, is now like not supported in goal, came out to make a hero of himself and ended up kung fu kicking Kwang Young Pak, uh, didn't get sent off. That, that, enough, that in itself is enough to make that game not the worst game of the season. I was wondering, just with the, the venom with which you explained that, if you had an alternative candidate for your worst game of the season in mind. Oh, that's a tough one. Worst game of the season. It hasn't been any games I've seen live, for thankfully. They've all been quite entertaining fixtures, but I, I can't think off the top of my head. Mattersburg went through a spell a few months ago where they were absolute dross <laughs> for a long time, so, so perhaps something involving Mattersburg. Admira, I tell you what, Admira, I feel like Admira is when... Watching Admira is like playing Pro Evolution Soccer with the Master League Originals team. You know, it's like you can win, you can get a win, but everything's really hard to do. Like, you've got to create loads of chances before you score a goal it's really hard to get forward and then when you do and if you do score it feels so great because you know how difficult it was I feel like watching Admira is like that so they, they've not thrilled me at times this season although I do have a soft spot for them Tom with a niche gaming reference there so we're both at it today Mate, Pro Evolution Soccer is not niche nor is the World Cup Final 2010 it should be said but just, just in case yeah um, let's move up again to the top of the table before the well now we don't really know where we stand given coronavirus but the things that are certainties at the moment are that Lask are leading the table with 27 points. Now the, half, now the uh, points have been halved. Salzburg, three points back on 24. Rapid Vienna, third place, 20 points, seven points behind the league leaders. Is there a hint of a rapid title race this season? Or, you know, is it just, are they just helped out by the points, uh, the points being halved at the moment? Because, I mean, that would be incredible, wouldn't it? That would be quite something if Rapid Vienna could even get involved in a title race. That would, that would ignite Austrian football. Well, I mean, if the game was going to be played this weekend, they would have been playing Salzburg. And a victory against Salzburg there puts them right in the mix. But, um, I mean, I think it's for fanciful thinking maybe that they can get into this title race with two teams like Salzburg and Lask, who are by far the two best teams in the league. But well, why not? It would be great if, uh, if the, if the uh, Hutteldorfers had something to be excited about. Uh, something to keep in the back of your head, though, like if uh, had Rapid beaten Red Bull and had Lask beaten Hardberg at the same time, that would have uh, given Lask a far better opportunity for to gain momentum for the title race. And it's it's tough to really uh, explain this to people who don't know Rapid and the city of Linz very well. Um, Rapid fans hate Lask almost as much as they hate Red Bull, if not more. So it's... <laughs> It's, it's not an easy one for Rapid at the moment, even had they won it. 
Yeah, so they really want to get involved and uh, try and sort of decide this title race one way or the other. It's interesting to have them in the mix, though. It would be, I think, first things first, they've got to aim to get back into Europe, and if so, directly. That's surely their target. Anyway, they sit in third in an interesting position on 20 points. Wolfsburg hot on their heels with 19 points. And, of course, as we've mentioned, hot scorer in the form of Sean Weissman and a sister in the form of Michael Lindel. So they'll be dangerous down the stretch, one would hope. They're uh, quietly going about doing a very good job this season, Wolfsburg. Sturmgratz in fifth. They've been a bit distant. They're helped out by the, the point split to be on 16 points. And Hartberg on 14 as well. Who knows how things are going to go. But... Looking pretty interesting for the end of the regular season. We will, of course, update you on our Twitter at Other Bundesliga as news comes out of what's going on in the world of Austrian football, especially given the fluid situation around coronavirus, games being played behind closed doors, games being cancelled, games being postponed. For all of the news on, news on stuff like that, find us on Twitter at Other Bundesliga. We've also got a Patreon account, of course, as well. You can find us on Patreon if you feel like parting with three of your hard-earned dollars every month to uh, help us out in the recording of this podcast. And also something that we don't ask all very often, but if you can give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us, this will help us go up in the rankings because we're, we're very into our rankings and we've been in some very funny places at number one and number two. So if you could give us five-star ratings, that helps us go up the rankings and people will see the podcast more and Austrian football will, will, will be known more. <laughs> yeah, that'd be absolutely brilliant. Um, well, just before we say goodbye for this one, we should announce, we, we'll do it more in detail as well. And you might have seen it on our Twitter and on our socials already, but we have a new home. That's very exciting news for the other Bundesliga podcast. We have a new home. We're here in the Long Hall in Vienna near Rathaus. It's a lovely central location. Great place to come and have beer. Great place to have food. And a brilliant place to come and watch football as well if you're making the trip over to Vienna. And I think on that note, it's uh, time for us to get a few pints in. All right, lads. <laughs> Let's have a few pints, shall we? Here we go. A few pilsners, shall we? <laughs> I think this is the point to probably end the podcast, isn't it? Should we end it now? Well, I've got the mic from the presenter. I'll say goodbye. See you next time. Mm-hmm.